We're celebrating this day the majesty of Christ. Prior to Advent, where we begin the process of the church year to look at our expectations when in fact we're preparing to receive the Christ as a child. The passage from Hebrews explains a lot about the feelings of the Christian tradition, particularly in terms of people being spoken to through prophets and sages. And then coming to the whole birth of Christ and his, in fact, ministry to all. And seen as the majesty of Christ. Then we come up with this gospel that has him dying. And it's a shock to me when we're talking about in the, in the epistle lesson this presence of Christ, the confirmation that he is with God and that he still reigns with us. Then to turn and have the story about his death being mocked, being challenged by questions, Pilate asking him, are you the king of the Jews? The Sadducees and the Pharisees and others had accused him of various problems and creating problems for them. So they in fact turned him over. And he didn't say anything in response. Now that's, to me, I don't know that I would have had the kind of depth of faith in God, our creator, to be able to not say something about the challenges to my personage. Yet Jesus did not raise a word. This really befuddles me, because why didn't he speak up? And he simply says, and so you say. He didn't answer the questions of the Jewish elite. So they persecuted him. They made another person carry his cross to Golgotha. And then we find that the guard watching him mocked him. But he still did not respond to the mocking. So what are we supposed to figure out about this? I mean, how can we in fact give our faith the courage and the strength to speak the truth and the love of God when Jesus didn't even respond to his accusers? To me, stumbling over this and working to understand why on earth would they choose this gospel with that epistle? It seems to be counterindicated. And yet, the gospel is appropriate because in fact, his death causes a change in our life in faith. We learned during Easter that the women went to take care of Jesus' body and found the tomb empty. 
And the angel's saying, if you're looking for him, he's not here. He's risen from the dead. It's hard stuff for us to take on. And I think particularly in terms of the times which we are living in. It's hard for us not to, quote, defend ourselves against the accusations and the misinformation and the horrible lies that we face day in and day out. I've often thought to myself, how on earth can I even begin to express my faith when so many people are so willing to open their hearts to lies, to misrepresent those things in front of them. I struggle with this notion and saying, why on earth is this occurring to us? However, the other side of the story is that my faith should be about believing in Christ. And if I actually open myself to the openness of God's love, I may have to keep silent. And yet I know my silence is not about caring or trying to work towards justice and freedom, but rather my silence is how this be happening to us? Where is God? Where are the prophets? Where are the notes of miracles taking place in our hearts and minds? And I know that they exist. The number of shootings we've had in this country have stimulated a number of people to really respond openly in angst and frustration about what we're doing to allow ourselves to kill one another. There are many who would like to mute all of that conversation, and I understand. However, it still doesn't speak to the core of our faith together. Interestingly enough, I found solace in a group of people who Many times I've resisted dialogue. Because there are many evangelicals now who are actually speaking about coming to truth. Coming to a sense of reality. Respecting God's place and Jesus' place in our lives. This is quite a shock to me. Because for the longest time, it was cast as though the evangelicals agreed with lying and deceit, which is not true. We need, as a group of Christians, to open ourselves to one another, to our Jewish heritage, to our Islamic heritage, all of those faiths that support a God of love and compassion without shearing our trust in one another by separating ourselves and dividing lines. We do such injustice to God's presence in our midst.
I don't know about you, but I feel like I'm behind the curve. And I find I'm very frustrated about what can I say and what can I do to impact others. I guess one of my problems is I, I see it as a huge issue. And I worry about the numbers involved as opposed to sharing with each one of you individually the love of Christ, the gift that Christ gives us in terms of truth, justice, and freedom. We need to open ourselves to be Christians along with Jews, along with Islam, along with the other cultures that confess in presence of God, of a loving deity to be in our midst. Without those friendships, without those sharings, we lose sight and we retreat to our defensive side, which cannot see clearly the truth any longer. I would hope that all of us, from this day on, We'll think about God's love of all people. We even say in our baptismal covenant that we will respect the dignity of every human being. That needs to be a mantra for us as we face these most difficult times and the challenges to our own integrity and truthfulness. The majesty of Christ needs to be a burning star and bright light in all of us. This day when we go out, may we rejoice in the joy of God's presence through Christ for us. We are not to negate other options or other stories or other histories, but rather to unite with them to share the glory of our own humanity in the love 